Hey, Lovebird, it's me, Stephanie, CEO of The Good Love Company and leading relationship expert. You're about to start transforming your love life from the inside out with the So Good podcast. I've been widely considered the leader in the love coaching space and have worked with super achievers all around the world for over six years. Here, you're not gonna find cheesy dating tips or fluffy nonsense, no manipulative tactics either, because my work is about understanding behavior, identity, and motivation. Pair that with energetic work, somatic healing, and ooh, your love life is about to get so good. These talks are designed to inspire, provoke, and guide you on your journey home to take you and your love life to heights you've never thought possible. If you're wanting more from your relationships, better connection, hotter sex, self-love tips, and emotional mastery, then stick around. It's about to get so good. I'm glad you're here. Hello, darling, and welcome to another episode of So Good. It is me, Stephanie, your host. I am absolutely thrilled you are here today. We're going to be diving into something that I deal with in my practice all the time, one of my favorite things to work with women on, and it's getting clarity through that muddy confusion, should I stay, should I go? It's too good to leave, but I'm not really that happy, and how to actually know when you should cut your relationship. Because of the complexities and endless scenarios and examples and factors that go into the dynamic of 3D pairing, we could talk for hours on this subject. So I wanted to intentionally speak to the specific part in your relationship journey where you are just confused. You you aren't sure if this is the right thing for you and you're starting to tally up the good days versus the bad days. You're starting to feel like you are overthinking your relationship. You're starting to feel uneasy. This episode is going to be for you. So why do we linger in relationships where our physical bodies are indicating that something isn't right? I want to start with that ponder because If you've ever looked back to any relationship that you have left or been left from and you felt the shift or you've said to yourself, I feel like I'm myself again, or your friends say, wow, you're happy again. You know the feeling of, oh, this relationship isn't good. I can recall the worst relationship I've ever had and I knew six months before it was over that this, this wasn't good. My, my body was sending out signals. I didn't want to be really around him. I felt that I had to drink just to not pick a fight. And then I ended up picking a fight anyway, or him breathing would bother me. Little things would set me off. And these are all key indicators that bubbling under the surface is a general uncomfortability in the relationship. And we're going to talk today about why we ignore that and what that really means. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you are waiting for a bus and the bus is supposed to come at 8.05 and by quarter after, there's still no bus. There's a high percentage that because you waited the 10 minutes, you're probably gonna wait like five more minutes, right? Like you you waited this long, like the bus will come, right? But what happens if it's been 45 minutes and the bus hasn't come yet? 
you've waited all this time because you, you invested the time, you were waiting for it, so what's another five minutes? And then another five minutes, and then another five minutes, and then you realize like, I could have walked to my destination in 20 minutes. We do this in romantic relationships. I'm gonna hold on a little bit longer. I've invested this much time. I've, I've, we've already been here for a couple of years, you know, I'll, I'll keep holding on a little bit longer. So why do we do this? Well, let's start with eliminating other factors. So let's eliminate the scenario that you have children and it's really complicated to exit. Let's eliminate um, having to work out financial independence first. Let's, let's eliminate the, the factors that are more than just you. And let's talk more about you are independent or you have resources or you have the ability to exit because I can't tell you how painful it is when I hear people say, just leave, just leave, just leave. When there are many, many, many instances and scenarios where it's not possible without resources, help, support, I'm not even going to get into the privilege conversation. I'm not going to get into any of that, but for all intents and purposes, not everyone has the ability to leave. So if you are listening to this scenario and you start to identify with some of the diagnostic criteria that I'm going to share with you and you have the privilege and ability to leave, really take heed of the impact of staying in a relationship that isn't physically supportive to you. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could whip out your phone anytime you wanted relationship help from a legit love expert and just got the answer to your problem solved like immediately? And more than a two minute fluffy, you got this. Unlike other love coaches, I go hard in Boxer. My private clients love this perk because let's be real, most of the real stuff happens in between traditional calls. But now, for the first time ever outside of my high-level one-on-one, I can be in your back pocket. Introducing Back Pocket Love Coach, 30 days private tailored one-on-one with me, Stephanie. Former lovebirds who snagged this brilliant opportunity got tailored coaching when they needed it. And some of them used it to squash anxiety about dating, how not to fuck up a new connection. Some used it to move through breakups. Some used it to move through healing their own bullshit, preventing them from having the love of their life. Everyone has their own things and I'd love to support you because honestly, stop bugging your girlfriends and actually text a pro. Here's what's in it for you. The best relationship expert, hey, at your fingertips. (laughs) Mentorship without a long-term contract. Exclusive framework concepts and tools tailored to you that I only reserve for private clients. Confidence in yourself as a woman to actually be in love like an adult. Revived relationships, hotter sex, less bickers, ease in dating, I could go on. What's the energy exchange? One month of private boxer access is 1000 USD. Find out more at sogood.love or as always DM me BPLC to get started. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the concept of time. Most of the time, if women have the ability and resources to exit a relationship that they are super happy in, the reason why they don't is their perceived value of their time. 
So what I mean by that is this idea of, I've put in my time, I've invested this much, right? We're, we're at the bus stop and the bus is 45 minutes late, but we've been waiting long enough, like might as well wait a few minutes longer. It can be a tough pill to swallow when you can sit back and go, wow, my concept of my personal time is, is skewed. We put ourselves in limbo. We put ourselves in this weird space of, of waiting because we think that eventually we're going to get what we want. If I put in enough time, I'll get what I want. And the reason why we do this is because that's kind of how it happens. The person who's been with someone for 10 years and finally gets engaged or the person who sticks it out with an addict boyfriend and he gets sober and they live a happily ever after. These scenarios do happen. I'm actually proof of that. So in terms of our value of our time, when we stay in relationships and we get to a place where the crux of our in or out is dependent on the time invested, we have actually implemented a belief system on how we feel about our time in this relationship. So what I mean by that is I've put in the time, right? I, I did a hard thing, here's my reward. I worked really hard, I get the reward. I stuck it out, look at me, right? It, this is what we do, it's, it's the, the reward system. If I have a belief that my time is valuable based on my exertion of effort or my grit, if that's what I believe a good use of time is, waiting it out, staying true, right? If that's, if that's what I think is effective, then I'm going to continue to do that. And the problem is, is that we just don't have an end point. So we wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And most of the time, it, it doesn't really change. You want to know why? Because by you waiting, you're accepting the terms. So I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say you have been dating your man for like four years. And you're like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? Like, it's been four years. Mm -hmm. I was on ring watch by like a year and a half. Like, I get it. I get that like twiddling your, your fingers, what are we doing scenario. I am certainly not suggesting shoving wedding rings in his face or doing those outrageously emasculating 8,500 days without a ring countdown things, so degrading, horrendous. But if you've had the conversation and you've been met with a response like, yeah, for sure, I see a future with you, Definitely, but nothing was ever concrete or nothing was ever truly talked about. It was more smoothed over to appease you and change the conversation. Then what ends up happening is by you sort of silently nodding, taking what you can get, and then continuing to wait, your behavior is agreeing with the waiting. So it's tricky because I see women do this, but they, they kick their heels in, they put up a fight, they mention it, they, they pick at it, they go, oh, you know, Susie got engaged last weekend, I wonder when it's our time. <laughs> 
So they're still waiting, they're still agreeing to the terms, they're still in that limbo, but they're just being vocal about it. And I can, I can assure you that the least romantic way to decide to form a life together is through sarcastic pressure. It is horrendous. Men don't like that. They know that you want to get engaged. They know that you want to get married. But by you continuing to wait, if you don't have an actual sense of we're waiting because we're going to buy a house, we're waiting because he's up for a job, we're waiting because COVID's fucking our life up, but there's concrete, legitimate action plans, then that's just living your life. But if I said to you, are you waiting around? You know what I'm talking about. You know what that energy is. And so this is our value of time. Well, I don't want to give up now. I don't want to start over. I, I invested all this time. What else have I heard? I'm, I'm in my thirties. I'm like, no, I'm going to just take what I can get. I will bide my time. I will wait. I will hint. I'll, I'll sarcastically quit. And what ends up happening is you're miserable the whole time. Are there scenarios where you wait, 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 and you get engaged? Of course, it happens all the time. But you need to decide if that's something you're willing to do and what your waiting terms are. It's like I tell people in long distance relationships, the only way it's going to work is if you two have a clear, concise end date, because eventually you're going to need to have a physical life if you're going to have an actual relationship. So could you do a long distance for six months? Could you do it for a year? Could you do it for five years? Understanding your value of time is going to help your relationship so much because you, you start to really get an honest viewpoint of what you're available for. So to the girl who's waiting around twiddling her thumbs every day that you do that with no real conversation is another day you're agreeing to the terms. So should Susie wait on a ring, stay or should she go? What do you think? Well, the answer is, if this imaginary example of a very common relationship scenario, if I was sitting face to face with her and she was asking me this, I would say, if the conversation about the vision for the future feels skittish for your partner, then to me, it's an indication that you would be happier if you moved on. Because the problem with waiting is that when you have one person who's ready to go and the other person who is absolutely not, the only way it's going to work is if there's a clear end date in sight. The same concept is a long distance relationship. Could you wait for another six months? Could you wait to get engaged for two years? Could you wait to get engaged for five years? Would you wait another five more years? Decide for yourself, start backwards, start with like the scariest number, like, oh my God, I can't imagine waiting five more years. Okay, four more years, three more years, and then have the courage to have that conversation. Have the courage to say, I'm at a place right now where my values are about building a life. I'm really focused on what matters and who is important to me. And you are, 
And this is what I, this is what I see. This is the vision that I have. And if you're able to have an open dialogue where he isn't trying to change the subject, brush it off, appease you, get skittish, then you're, you're able to get some clarity. Most of the time, men who are in love with you and envision a life with you have thought about proposing to you. It's just most of the time when we get really, really antsy and freaked out and I want it, I want it, I want it. Usually it's because there's this probably subconscious belief that that ring is going to fix or change something, which leads me into diagnostic criteria number two. Are you still in this relationship because you think that if you broke up with him, someone else would get the good stuff? Or if you broke up with him, that he would suddenly change and be amazing for someone else. If you've ever thought that, raise your hand. <laughs> check, check please. Big time. We have like, honestly, like I'm just taking a moment for myself in my twenties for that thought. Like, oh my God, if I end things, then he's suddenly going to be amazing with someone else. The energy I spent. And you might be surprised with the answer that I'm going to give. Most people are. Here's the truth. He probably will. He probably will be amazing with someone else. Why? Because he's probably meant to be with someone else. Unless this person is clinically ill or harmful or is living in their own darkness, for the most part, it makes complete sense that if you and someone didn't work out, that they would then find happiness with somebody else. It astounds me sometimes when women say this to me where it's like, I don't, I don't want to have wasted all my time, but then they stick around longer. And I think to myself, yeah, because again, when we go back to this time reward concept and waiting for that damn bus, there are women out there waiting for their man to wake up one day and go, you know what, honey, I realize I do need therapy. You are completely right. The way that I talk to you when I'm angry is not okay. I do have issues from my childhood. You were totally right. My dad never taught me how to properly emote and I've been taking out my work stress on you. People think that conversation is going to happen. That conversation does happen years down the line when healed, healthy people reflect on their relationship, those that work through. But women all the time go, I've put in my work and I don't want him to change and have someone else reap all my hard work. Well, that's pretty damn selfish and egoic. It's, it's really a shitty mentality because if you are trying to attract love and if you love this person, then ultimately the highest heights of love is wanting their bliss and happiness. So when you see healthy, healed people break up and genuinely wish well their, their ex or genuinely want someone else to be happy, you see this in really healthy co-parenting dynamics. It's because they, they genuinely loved that person. And when you love someone, you want them to be happy. My most toxic ex is happy in another relationship and has been for two years. And he's probably not toxic with her. 
I don't know, maybe I don't, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a lurker, I'm not a stalker, but a lot of people find misery in miserable relationships. A lot of people that you could say are crazy or narcissistic or awful are just in shitty relationships that are bringing out the worst in them and they don't know how to get out. So of course they're going to be awful. But when you put someone next to a person that brings out the best in them, that's, well, that's what you're going to get. So the sooner that you can accept that if you are in so much friction that the biggest thing on your mind is someone else getting the rewards of all your hard work, you would probably be happier if you left. You would probably have a weight lifted. At the end of the day, people are not possessions. They're not ours. They're hardly predictable. Nothing is ever guaranteed. I tell my private clients all the time, nothing is guaranteed. The only thing you can count on is yourself. So what is your value on your time? The person who's been with someone for three years and goes, oh, like I, ugh, I hate it. But then here's a story about the person who is with someone for eight years and then finally got married and go, oh, okay, I'm just going to trug along. When instead they can go, you know what? I don't want to wait five more years for someone to maybe get on the same page. And instead, what if five years from now I've been married for a bit and have a child and I'm happy? We need to really start evaluating our sense of personal time. Most women view their personal time as the lowest on the totem pole. I mean, that's biologically wired in us. So I get it. And it, it is a skill. It is a muscle to say, okay, like I need to take care of me. I need to hone in on what I want. I need to listen to my intuition. Life just gets so much better when you're able to do that. Which brings me into diagnostic criteria number three, and that is the concept of the energetic weight and relief. So I always ask clients that are kind of back and forth, like, I don't know, like when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's awful. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do, right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't even, oh, I remember those days where like the good days were amazing. And you're like, I'm in love. This is so great. What am I even talking about? And then the bad days, you're like, I am in hell. This is fucking awful. So what tends to happen is over time, when you are in a back and forth, good and bad roller coaster, like not great relationship, your body will start to anticipate the cues of a tension or a, a dramatic situation. You start to kind of feel it in your body. So if you've ever been in a relationship where you've had to walk on eggshells, this is the same feeling. It's that apprehensive energy. That compounded over time is a stress rocket to your nervous system. And what will happen is you will intuitively have a sense of uncomfortability. It can be expressed in a lot of ways. Some people express it through anger. Some people get really like, like depressed. Some people want to eat a lot. Um, the nourishment that's lacking, so to speak, but really, I always say to clients, if you are in that place and I were to say to you, have you A, ever imagined what your new apartment would look like if you just got the chance to get out? Have you ever had a feeling of relief at the thought of leaving? Have you ever thought, oh my God, if something were to just happen where, where I could leave, 
Like we're, we're, we're preying on these, these natural disasters. <laughs> I joke, but I've, I've actually had a client say like, I wish something would just happen to the house so we'd have to sell it. Those are key indicators that your body has been in adrenaline and stress for far too long. Think about the level of mental exertion to fantasize about your own space and go, oh my God, like, oh, like if I only had my own apartment, here's what I would decorate. If the thought of being away gives you relief, you would probably be happier if you left. Leading into number four, I see this dynamic too. And this is the really nice, kind of beta guy, like the nice guy who does really nice things and is super loyal. Like just, just, you can kind of see where I'm going with the spicy girl who isn't really interested, but really likes nice things and really likes being catered to. And it's kind of down for the company. Like maybe the sex is good, but she's kind of not really feeling it. This happens a lot and most of this, not all of it, but most of this comes down to two things, misuse or misunderstood use of masculine, feminine energy and roles. There are roles and two, the attachment identity. So you see this most in avoidant attached women they tend to attract in like the nice sweetie pie and they're kind of not attracted to them at first, but then over time, the nice sweetie pie wears them down. They go, okay, all right, I guess, but they have one foot out the door the whole time. This is really tricky because a lot of good guys can get kind of sucker punched with this. Granted, we all make choices and nice guys can choose to stay in relationships where they're not appreciate it all they want. That's their choice. And that has to do with their sense of self-esteem and masculine presence. But a lot of the times women in these situations, I say, well, if you're not, you know, turned on and blissed out and having these great conversations and just like into it, then what are you doing? And every single time, well, he's really nice. And there's not a lot of guys out there. And it's kind of better than nothing. And he's there for me and like he helps me out and like I do like him. I just don't, I don't know. So what do you do there? Again, I feel like I'm, I'm beating a, a dead horse, but it again circles back to value on your time. This one might be a little bit more tougher to swallow, but it's not just your time anymore. This one is also the other person's time. So whereas in the first example, we talked about the guy who is maybe a little distant, maybe not completely all in with the woman who is like, let's do this. I'm ready to rock. And now in this scenario, we've just, we've reversed the roles. This is really tricky. Good quality men there are, there are so many of them. There are so many of them. There are so many of them. And before you go, well, I have a small town or, you know, they're already married. Yeah, they're good guys, but they're already taken. Belief, 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 thought, projection, defense, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Why would anyone just assume that men have run out? They haven't. 
would you date someone the next town over? And before you say, I already have, there are more than one towns over, okay? I want you to really start getting honest about your beliefs. What are you saying to yourself? Well, if I break up with him, then I have to start over. If I end, then I'll never find someone as nice. Or I would be more attracted to him if X, Y, Z. The truth is, it is not loving or kind to waste someone's time. Nor is it loving or kind to waste your time. And if you've been paying attention this whole episode, I have been trying to loop in a theme here of your time value system. How do you truly value your life? Are you willing to take a six out of 10 because it's safe? And if you are, that's like, that's your choice. Like, that's fine. I know plenty of people who do that. I know plenty of happy people who, who have decided to shock up with their version of a six out of 10 and live blissful lives, but the relationship was good. They were both on the same terms. But for you, it's about going, am I in this scenario because it's better than nothing? because I think there's no one left, because I'm running out of time. If that's you, I want you to write down every single thing you tell yourself and ask yourself if that's actually a fact. There are no good men left that are single. Is that actually a fact? Truly, is it? You'll start to see that you have just been telling yourself just enough to keep you in a situation because it's safe, it's comfortable, you you know the menu, Go into the restaurants. I don't need a menu. I already know what I'm ordering. The problem is, is that you can't then go, well, I'm not really that happy. We're always making decisions. We are always motivated by our values. So if you value the unknown of, well, one day it'll be different or value more of a projected belief, like I don't want to start over, it'll show in your relationship choices. Criteria number five, before we wrap it up, I know there was a lot, so hopefully you digested this and took some notes, but ultimately, if I were to tell you, if I were to ask you this final question, diagnostic number five, if I were to tell you that tomorrow, all of your problems would be solved, everything you've ever wanted would happen, but it's with this person, do you want to be with him or not. I hope you enjoyed this episode, ladies. As always, I love hearing your feedback. Thank you so much for all the DMs. I love to share and screenshot, so thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure having a little coffee break with you, ladies. Again, from the bottom of my heart, I am so glad you are here. I hope you learned something. Whew, another one. That was so good. All right, lovebirds, there you have it. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that little pocket of time we spent together. It means the world to me. If this episode landed, if you felt like you got some mic drops, I'd love to know in the comments. Feel free to leave a five-star review as well. That always feels good. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, send her my way. Today's episode was so good, and I'll see you next time. I'm living that high life.